Boom, I'm walking. Do I dump it? Do I throw the drift? Three, two, one. Let's go. Work, 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 work. Welcome to the Dig Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Afal Martinez. I appreciate you guys coming back out for episode three. Uh, like I said in the last episode, this podcast is strictly about you know providing you guys value. So comment, subscribe, like, and give us your feedback uh, from episode to episode so we know what kind of value to provide to you guys. For episode three, today I have Coach Dusty Deacons. He's the head coach at South Iron High School. Dusty's been the head coach for 16 years with a record of 349 and 96 with six district titles, two sectional titles, and a state runner-up in 2008. Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, sure. Appreciate it. Hopefully we can uh, gather some some good talk here and maybe help someone, uh, young coaches, and, and help us uh, all get a little bit smarter in the area of basketball. For those that don't know, South Island's a class one school in the state of Missouri. So in the state of Missouri, we have five classes, and obviously class one would be the smallest. So I just want to hop right into building a program at a small school, and I think this can even be for people that are head coach at a small college, um, even just a small organization. How have you built the program here? Have you seen it grow over your tenure here? And just what were the focal points to you of building to build a class one powerhouse in the state of Missouri? Well, I've been very fortunate, been really blessed that whenever I came here, you know, I was from South Iron, graduated in 94. So people kind of knew who I was, my values, my, my character, and that allowed me to step off in a, in a right direction from the start with, with parents and uh, community members believing in, in maybe what I was, was trying to do early on. But it really, I feel like it starts with your parents and your families, uh, your community members, your school. What direction are they wanting to move in? What are their values? And, and what kind of, um, you know, effort are they going to put forth in that? As far as, you know, um, I, think, I think it was good I surrounded myself with some really good people here that, that were vested in the community and that, that could reach and, and, you know, give another perspective to me maybe an outsider looking in. So had a lot of people help me. Um, you know, I was really blessed to, to have people that work hard, that are committed to excellence and that will sacrifice and give a lot of themselves because that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to put a lot into it if you're going to want, if you want to get a lot out of it. Yeah, I think that uh, especially on the coaching side, it, the outside looking in, it, they think that it's just get on the floor, win games, but you got to have the backing from administration to the parents and, the commitment is the big thing regards to not doing things 60 70%. You know how it is. If you want to do anything specifically great, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. How have you seen South Iron change on the basketball side of the thing? It's a great athletic school at all aspects, especially right now. I know that other sports are doing well regards to basketball as well. How have you seen the development of the program go up and then maybe hit some you know, obstacles and what were the reasons for long-term having great success within the program? Well, I think it just goes back to what I said earlier. We, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of really good families, and, and our community is, is just wonderful in their support of, you know, if their kids are going to do something, they're going to they're gonna work hard and take pride in it. But as far as maintaining it, um, you know, we just try to go about our business of trying to do things the right way, and, you know, it's hopefully we're – developing lifelong skills that will help these young young people leave here and, and be successful in life as they move forward. But as far as, as really 
you know, giving a secret ingredient. There's not. We just work hard. We just ask our kids to, to be, you know, great teammates and, and great student athletes. And every day, you know, be committed to that and be focused on that and try to move forward each and every day. And, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty real, too. I'm not going to sugarcoat stuff and, and pretend and, and I don't joke around a whole lot. I like to have a good time, but I'm pretty serious about business and, and taking care of that. And, and uh, I wish I was a little bit more the other way because I think it's good with, with young people today to be able to t- connect in different ways. But, you know, it, it's worked for me and, you know, I'm year number 20 right now in education and, and uh, things change and, and hopefully I can continue to relate and, and help kids in the future. Coach Dinkins is the head coach here, but he also has to coach his son. And here at South Iron, we're not going to boast and hype up his son, but his son can play. So it's not as if you're coaching your son and he just makes the team or he's just coming off the bench. But just talk about the difficulties because I'm sure there's plenty of, of other coaches that have to coach their daughter, coach their son, or even at the highest level. Like I just, I was telling him off air, I was listening to Doc Rivers talk. He had to coach his son at the highest level in the NBA. So just how do you find that balance? I know it's now you're going into your second year at the varsity level coaching him, but how have you found the balance between coaching your son, coaching the team, and, you know, almost having that good, solid emotional intelligence no matter what's going on in the game? It starts with understanding that you're the adult, you're the parent, and you're the coach, and you have to make sure that that you don't – go down and lose lose sight of, of what you're supposed to be doing. And, and that's very difficult because I'm a competitor and he's a very, very high competitor. He takes after his mother, which is a great quality as far as, you know, he wants to be a winner and if he's going to do something, he's going to give it all. But at times that creates difficulties. And athletics, you know, it's a wonderful thing. We, we have challenges. We have things we have to face. So we're trying to teach and, and show them how to handle those. And it's been difficult. He, he, uh, you know, has been around the game since he was four years old with me in practice, and he was sitting actually with our state tournament team at four years old on the bench watching the game. So that shows you something about, you know, how passionate he is about the game. So I have to be careful because, you know, he wants every play. He wants to win every play. And, you know, it's kind of like Tyler Hansborough was at Popper Bluff, and that's that's a great quality. But it can also lead to some destructive, you know, points and, and times in the game you got to be able to reel back and understand that you're not going to win every play it's just move forward so it's been a challenge there um, you know separating dad from coach you know he's you know 15 now turned 16 and that's still a challenge at times but it's my job to to come in there and and if we've had a rough practice or whatever is walk off the court and you know have that time five ten minutes or whatever it takes to say hey you know um, just kind of bring it back to to real as you know, I love you. I'm your dad, and you know I'm here for you. Uh, but there's times I'm coach, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you accountable, and you know that's coming, and uh, just be prepared for it. And, but I'll always be there for you, and, and uh, it's it's great. Uh, there's a lot of pros to it because you see, you know, I can use this as a way to help him in the future. As a as a right. young person, we're we're developing um, some experiences where he can he can experience some life, and I can be there with him, and hopefully uh, you know help him in that that area. Now, bouncing back to, you know, the emotional intelligence regards to being a head coach, let's let's go back two years where you weren't coaching uh, your son at the time. How have you seen your emotional intelligence? When we talk about it, we're talking about controlling your emotions on the sideline. Yes, there's times where you call a 30-second timeout and you have to chew the team or chew an individual for an action, but 
staying level keeled. Like you don't want to be up and down, up and down when it's three point game, a minute and a half. You have to be very level keeled. How have you been able to cope and hopefully grow in that aspect of coaching? And then what are some things that you look back on and you should have done a better job of coping with the emotional part of the game? Yeah, I'm still working on that. It, you know, I felt like early in my coaching career and, and all the way up until now coaching my son that, you know, I really try to take a lot of a lot of pride in, in being the calm, you know, in the storm, so to speak, the coach at the, on the side that was just trying to, to look at all the aspects of the game and watch his players and just try to give them what they needed and not, not uh, you know, just take them and push them too much, just be that guy that they could rely on to, to be the calm in the storm. And now I'm coaching a team that, you know, has high expectations and has high level play. And I've got a son on there as well. It's a lot more difficult because uh, we have really high expectations uh, for ourselves and we have some high, high competitors. And it's very difficult for me to, to sometimes not get caught up in, in what, what they're feeling too. You know, it's, it's, you got to feel the heartbeat of your team. And sometimes, you know, my heart's beating just as strong as theirs is and we want it just as bad, but I've got to tone back. And, you know, it really helps me that I've got three great assistant coaches. And in a small school, class one, if you've got three assistant coaches, um, you're, you're pretty blessed. And I've got three of them that, that all bring different things to the team that are really, really a, a big asset for us. But, you know, we're, we're just trying to, to move forward. And our guys know that, you know, we're human beings too. And, you know, if we make a mistake, we'll own it. And we'll, we'll let them know that. And we'll just all try to get better day to day. Yeah, and for, uh, for those that don't know, Coach Dinkins' team right now is they have one senior now, and then they have had one senior last year, and they had basically everybody else was so-called a freshman and sophomore. So they were super young, and uh, without someone on the sideline staying emotionally intelligent, that thing can snowball very quickly because we know kids at a young age are not able to hold their emotion. Uh, I want to hop into something more tactical and talk about your guys' offensive system. Um, I'm around the program a ton. We're actually, after this podcast, we'll get on the floor here for, you know, a couple hours with different kids coming in to work out. Uh, Coach Deacons runs a very spaced offense with a lot of, I don't want to say freedom, but opportunity for kids to make plays. So if you could just kind of discuss your guys' philosophy offensively, where you got it from, and what's your uh, idea regards to why you guys run this type of system. Well, we just, you know, my – philosophy ever since I've started is we just try to keep things as simple as we can and through my experiences and you know having some good coaching friends and uh, some good assistants along the way I've been able to just pick things up and just kind of take things that I think that fit our kids in our area um, you know we have blue collar hard-working kids and we have a community that loves a fast-paced game loves the excitement and and that's you know that's in my blood too so we just tried to to find things that were simple and easy and and things we could practice daily that you know just give kids opportunities for that repetition uh, you know we will we want to push with pace we want to you know spread the floor and we want to try to find numbers we want to get numbers in our advantage and um, you know from there just play off of it but if you can practice those things daily and you can teach kids uh, those things and you know the games really i think really changed a lot since i've started getting into it and you got kids with higher skill level you know, you know, if you had one or two really good ball handlers, you know, a few years ago, you could do some things as far as to combat that and take those guys away. And now, you know, we have six or seven guys that can handle the ball like a point guard. And, 
and we want to give them the opportunity to be able to to get out there and, and use those things um, effectively for our team. But we like you know we like to get the numbers. We're going to work on that pretty much every day in practice and in your spacing and find things that um, you see other people being successful with and uh, see if it fits your kids and and go from there. But you know offensively it's uh, we don't try to get real complex. We're we're going to try to to uh, you know just like I said play the numbers and then defensively we're gonna we're gonna try to do some things to make it tough on our opponent but but overall it's um, it's something that you know individual skill sets we're trying to move more and more towards getting kids more and more time and practice to to improve their skill sets uh, that's something and you know in the last 10 years I've really seen you know the importance of that and seen some some teams that you know, make runs deep in the season, and they've got some players that that can make plays, and and lots of players that can make plays, and that's something we're trying to gear 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 more towards. I want to piggyback off what you just said. There was uh, the more you said, you're more going into player development, and obviously we all have the time, right? Where we, it's uh, more system, it's more what we do as a unit. Uh, I was blessed enough to be down towards uh, Memphis a couple weeks ago to be around, be around Penny Hardaway's practice, and they had a two-hour practice. And an hour and a half of it was player development. And every kid came in and got 100 and catch and shoot threes before they even started practice. Now, when it comes to the breakdown for your practice plan, how have you seen it evolve, which you just kind of uh, gave us a brief on? And then, because high school, it's tough. Now, in the state of Missouri, you're only allowed, allowed 20 contact days in the summer. So basically, a lot of teams do all their contact days in June. July is back for the AAU circuit. And then here you are in school where you're limited with time as well on the floor with kids. How has your practice plan changed regards to being in the season? And how do you usually break it down? Because there's so much to cover uh, in a small amount of time before your first game. Well, we have a little bit of a difficulty. Uh, not many teams in the state of Missouri play in a Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, they have a little bit more time to prepare. So it's difficult for us in, in that three-week window to hit fundamentals and then hit the things you need to play a basketball game, you know, out-of-bounds plays, special situations, all those things are very difficult to get in. But you try to break down your season a little bit. What do you need to do now to be successful? And then I, I think I heard Coach Mapes talk about after Christmas, he changes some things uh, geared towards, um, you know, what he's going to do in districts. And that's kind of the same thing with us. We try to, as far as throughout the season, try to gear towards what we need to do now. And I really have felt like, uh, maybe, you know, one of our strengths has been able to be evaluate your team. Evaluate our team right now and what are some key areas that we need to get better at right now. Um, as far as, you know, dividing up practice, you know, it just depends on what, what time of the season it is. Are we going to hit more fundamentals? Are we going to hit more defense? Are we going to hit more offense? Are we going to spend all practice long working on just two things? It's, it's just, I think, a, a – an asset for coaches and their staff to be able to evaluate what their team needs this week, two weeks from now, a month from now, what do we need to do to be successful? And that's kind of the way we look at it. And it's, there's not, I don't think a cookie cutter system uh, or cookie cutter way that we do it. It's just, let's, uh, what do our, what do our guys need? What do we need now to be successful tomorrow? I see a common uh, thing regards to the best programs is, it's, I mean, people say it, but do you make a priority? It's it's less plays and it's better players. You know, you can have a great set for a catch-and-shoot three, but that kid shoots in the 20s. And so let's have that kid shoot in the 30s. And then that set, then you look good when you have a, a nice set play. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is 
Um, South Island right now as a program is very talented on the offensive side of the basketball. We got a, you got a, multiple kids that can do shoot it, handle it, pass it. Can you talk about managing a more talented team, the pros, the cons? I think on the surface, people not in the coaching industry think, wow, of course they won. They got all the talent, or the, the coach has a bunch of wins. Well, they got the best players where it's not always the case. I use the example of Eric Sprostra from the Miami Heat. You know, he caught a bunch of bad pub early when Miami didn't start very well. And by the end of the thing, he won two titles where everybody's like, well, we had LeBron. Well, that's tough. Doc Rivers only won one. He had big three in Boston. Uh, we see, you saw Golden State wasn't even able to win three straight. If you could just talk about what you've learned now being around a really talented team comparable to, you know, a team that maybe maximized its talent but on the surface didn't have as high a ceiling. I think it's relatively the same depending on what team you're coaching. I think you're trying to to find the best shot for the team that you're coaching. And can you get, you know, do you are you getting good shots or are you getting, you know, great shots? And how are you going about getting those shots and and then film evaluation. We're we're going to evaluate film. We're going to we're going to have guys in there, and we're going to we're going to talk about you know, hey, one more pass right here, and man, we have a great look right there. Instead of, you know, something last year, we're young freshmen and sophomores playing. We have some really nice playmakers. We took some tough shots, and fortunately, we have some some guys that can make them. But we've got to grow in that process of understanding. You know, it's it's probably better right there in that situation if you kick for that three, or you know, obviously if you got a dump, you're going to dump to that to that guy and, and finish at the rim so we're just trying to teach them and and i've always been a big believer of of man feel feel the pulse of your team in that game you know are we on a run you know what, what are we doing in this run or and, you know that's a good three now you know if, if we've come up empty a couple of possessions uh, we need to find a, a better look than that and just kind of understand the game of basketball and i think every team i've coached i've tried to do it that way uh, just to understand your personnel understand your team and what does your team need in this moment yeah, I, I think that by having that mentality as a coach of knowing the, what you call the pulse of your team, that you hope that your players then eventually understand the same degree of knowing, okay, they're on an 8-0 run. I can't take the pull-up three in transition. I got to get to the free throw line. I got to get a layup. I got to get a super high percentage shot. Uh, I want to move on to the defensive side of the basketball. Uh, South Iron's known for playing extremely hard all the time. But it always feels like you have three or four kids that are about 5'10", but it feels like they're about 6'5", because it seems like they're covering so much space, always getting a deflection, always diving for a ball, tipping a ball out of bounds, getting a steal. Um, is that something you guys incorporate in a practice uh, regards to deflections? Do you guys keep a goal for deflections, steals? Do you have something in mind to then, uh, once the game is over, no, like, okay, we didn't do this well, we didn't do that well. I think a large part of it is the DNA. You know, what are your kids made up of and, and where they come from and what kind of families they come from and then, then the track record of your program or, or the history. You know, South Iron, we've been here since the early 60s and, you know, there's a lot of banners hanging on our wall and it's really easy for me in practice time to, to uh, you know, talk to guys and relate to them of, of how does this stuff get done and it comes by – blue collar um, you know the, the tip of your finger sometimes changes the game on a deflection or or a charge or a loose ball or something like that and, and honestly we had some kids that I don't know that that I had a lot to do with it I think that's just what their family DNA was they came from from hard-working families that 
if they're going to do something, they're going to do it well. And, and I'm going to tell, you know, a great story on uh, my assistant coach, uh, Jared Middleton. You know, he had two other brothers that played at South Iron. Chad Middleton, which was the coach at Caledonia, he's now the high school principal. And then Drew Middleton, I coached two of the three. I didn't get to coach Chad, but uh, every Thanksgiving tournament that, that they ever played in, and I don't know how many championships they won. I know Jared uh, and Drew both won with me, and I think Chad did as well, but uh, multiple championships at the AB tournament, but their family was into uh, logging and farming. Well, every Thanksgiving morning, they would get up and go to the sawmill and work, and they would stack uh, slabs at the back of the sawmill until it was lunchtime, then they'd go have their Thanksgiving dinner then they'd come to shoot around then we'd go win the av tournament that's that's unheard of i mean you're going to go work in the sawmill before a championship game i mean that's just the quality of a lot of the kids we have here is they come from hard-working families and you know we just take a lot of pride in, in trying to go out there and just leave it all on the court and uh, i just been really blessed with a lot of a lot of great players and great families now with your defensive side of the ball you know, I, let's say you're a let's say you're a hard hedge team on ball screen. You hard hedge everything. You almost are trapping the ball screen. When is there a fine line defensively to staying with what you always done, and then to making an adjustment? I think that, uh, like, so let's say for instance, we got a we got a player that is a okay three point shooter that you're playing against. They're thirty percent, but can really really drive the ball strong. If he gets you, you know, a hip to your chest relationship is going to shoot a layup but then here he comes out hits three threes in the first half you know talk about that struggle I think that's one of the biggest struggles for a coach of grappling with do we stay what we've always done <clears throat> with what our kids are familiar with or do we make that adjustment can you just talk about that almost that internal I know inside a coach's mind of that difficult decision well we've been primarily a two three zone team uh Boy, I don't know, it's been several years now. We used to be all man-to-man. Um, my first, I don't know, six or seven years here, it was man-to-man. And then, then we realized we had some troubles matching up with some bigger physical teams and they had post-play and we had to get into some 2-3. But then probably the last handful of years, I just had some smaller teams that didn't really have any size and physicality. So we've had to play a lot of zone. But I think we're going to move away from that. I hope so. Um, but, you know, you, you just – you know scout your team that you're playing and and come up with a system that or a, you know a, a game plan that you think is going to work and just tell your guys to be consistent you know we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and and, and eventually it's gonna pay off if, if you're gonna if you're gonna play harder than them and you're gonna do the little things it'll pay off but i think sometimes you know i don't know there's there's times where adjustments need to be made but if you've really put in the preparation and you know the team you're playing and you know your strengths and you just say, "Hey, we're going to play to we're going to play to our strengths. Try to take away their strengths, make them play to weaknesses." And, and you know, if if a guy, you know, that's off the bench hits two threes, then you know we're just we're just going to have to say, "Hey, he just came in there and he did that." But we're not going to we're going to try to keep the other team's best players from from getting easy looks and just make it difficult. And they're going to have to earn the win. We had discussed a little bit how players are better now than they've than they are skill-wise. You know, I think there's still some difficulty in regards to knowing how to play the game. I think that will always be a struggle for younger players. Um, you know how it is. Like, once you get to a certain age, it's not about your skill set anymore. It's about between your years. That's how these guys can play in the NBA to their 36, 37. Um, why do we think that is? I think it's always said that they're better. In your opinion, why is it that players are 
uh, more skilled than they were? Do you see it? Is it something us coaches are doing? Do you think it's more player-driven? Uh, what's your opinion on that? I'd say it's a combination of things. When I first started get, got, get, get, getting into coaching 20 years ago, you had very few coaching clinics. Uh, you had limited ability on the Internet to research and find things. You know, you had to, vi- you had to find VHS of coaching clinics or coaches talking about stuff to – to really learn, you know, back even before me, if you didn't play underneath a really good coach or you didn't go to college and you didn't uh, get that experience from a college coach, you know, you had to really get out there and try to figure out, you know, what's all the strategies, how, how are things done, you know. And today the Internet and, and you know, coaching clinics are everywhere. And then you've got personal skill development guys like yourself. They're doing a wonderful job of taking away some of the coaching uh, responsibilities of high school coaches. you got guys coming in and training kids one, two days a week, and it really helps. Um, I think it's just they're just growing rapidly. Um, the ability to, you know, I mean, we're seeing stuff out there on social media now of, of stuff that's going on overseas and in other countries, and you'd have never seen some of that Euro stuff and all that other things. And it just can be overwhelming, too, for coaches. You're like, Man, there's so much stuff to pick from. What what do we need to do? And and you can get brain overload if you're not careful. But I think it's just just a, a totally different place than when I started. Yeah, I I think that uh, we all should be in all the same category, sharing and helping each other. At the end of the day, just make the game that blessed me and you both as players to help somebody else become more efficient and better within them. Uh, last thing I want to say here is we all talk about as coaches player we learn more from the players more than maybe we even teach them they don't know it but you know how many times you've been in a practice you got home and you're like "Eh, it makes more sense to do it that way that kid's doing something that I didn't even teach him but I'll take that and I'll teach the next kid that way what kids within your program do you look back on and maybe it wasn't your best player maybe it was a kid that came off the bench maybe it was a kid that didn't even hardly play but you were able to take something from multiple of those kids that were then able to help your program later on well, I'd say I don't have a specific situation that really sticks out to me. I just have a, you know, a collection of a lot of thoughts and memories of the teams I've coached here at South Iron and what I noticed from the very start in 2003 and four. here is when you have a group of young men that, that really care for each other, that really have strong ties and friendships, and they're willing to give everything they've got to be the best teammate or make their team as, as good as possible, you've got a really dangerous combination there. You've got something that's really special, and it can really take your team to a, a higher ceiling than what you thought. So it's it's really big to us that, that our guys really understand those things and understand the importance of, of uh, believing in each other, caring for each other, helping each other, and, and enjoying the experience along the way and, and just uh, give everything they've got. And if they're going to work hard, they're going to be coachable and they're going to be great teammates. Uh, we've got a pretty good thing going. So that's that's kind of my take on on what I've learned from from players from here at South Iron. I've coached the best teams I've coached have that, and they have intelligence and skills. So if you can get a combination of those, you're in a really good spot. Yeah, I think that uh, at the end of the day, do the people that you're involved with, whatever whatever job you have, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you work in real estate. Do you love the people you work with? Because if you do that, the results will come. You'll trust each other, and you'll you know, be part of something that's bigger than yourself. 
Uh, Coach Dinkins won't say it. Coach Mapes won't say it. Coach Johnson won't say it. The first three people I had on here. These three coaches will be in the Missouri Basketball Hall of Fame for coaches. So I just want everybody to understand and respect the people that we've had on, that respect for what they have to say. Um, but that's in episode three. Um, I appreciate it, Coach. Thanks. I appreciate it. and appreciate all you're doing for our young kids in our area. Like I said, if you guys will like, comment, subscribe, and uh, look forward to the next episode coming out. Uh, if you guys will you know, put as much intel into what you guys would like to hear, negative stuff, positive stuff, I'm all here about providing value. Appreciate it. See you guys next time.